You're listening to The Bill Murphy Show, the daily music interview show featuring the best in the business. From behind the scenes, in the studio, and on the stage. Available by subscription for free on iTunes and at BillMurphyShow.com. Brought to you by Lulu's Bait Shack. Fresh Florida seafood and live music on A1A on world-famous Port Lauderdale Beach. And now, here's your host, Bill Murphy. And this is your digital broadcast for Wednesday, August 3rd, 2011. Great shows coming up in the not-too-distant future and a whole new rebranding, a brand-new website and imaging coming up very soon. Very excited about it. But in the meantime, we just keep rolling along. And today, in the studio and on the phone, I've got two members of Depravity Scale. As we get into, I'm not even going to go ahead and guess exactly what the official name of the genre of this music is. That's a, I'm just telling Tony, that's a little side address mic there. So that's where, that's where you go in there. But uh, I guess we'll leave it up to um, to Brian Tatunic, who's on the phone with us. How you doing, Brian? Good, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having us. And Tony D, who's also, I guess you two work with the, the other band members that aren't here. Let's give them their props. Tony, who else is not here with us today? Yeah, uh, bass, guitar, uh, Jerry Hathaway, and um, programming, drums, uh, samples, all that good stuff, engineering, uh, Lord SG. And Brian, in, the, in this day and age where it's very, very difficult to pinpoint genres of music and there's so many sub-genres and, and styles of music out there, it's really become watered down. Is industrial the right term to use for this music or how would you actually pinpoint the genre? Um, I would say electronic, experimental, industrial, um, with a lot of other influences thrown in the, in the mix as well. Yeah, and see, that's the other thing, that a lot of music falls into several different categories at the same time. But, you know, I, I guess at the top of that, you know, the top category, that would be in, uh, industrial. I like experimental. I like the sound of that, too. <laughs> yeah. So We try not to limit ourselves in any type of box, so it, it allows us to just create whatever music comes naturally. Now, we're going to listen to a couple of tracks here, and I've got them ready to go, and I know everybody's kind of uh, curious to hear what type of music uh, you guys are putting together, but let's first talk about how it's uh, come together. First of all, you have plans to release a full, I guess, 10-song project later this year. It sounds to me like it's almost done. How are those plans coming along? Because I see it's set on your website for a while, late 2011. And that's Is that still the plan, Brian? Uh I mean, we have enough tracks to release the album at this point, but I think um, we're all in agreement just to keep on writing and see what blend of songs works best together because we do kind of have a diversity in our songs. So um, to put out an actual album, we want to make sure that all the album, all the um, songs themselves actually you know, kind of coincide with each other. Now, you're based in the west coast of Florida, correct? Correct. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, but I live in Tampa now. And Tony is over here on the east coast in South Florida, and uh, I'm... I know that this is the this is also a day and age where a lot of this uh, geographical, a lot of the geographical boundaries are no longer with us. You guys are able to work via the internet. I'm sure you transfer and FTP files back and forth to each other. Um, how has that worked out? Do you do you kind of sometimes wish you guys were in the same room putting the stuff together? We try to. Uh, luckily, I yeah. travel a lot for my job, but um, we we prefer to all get together and work whenever we can. Um, and at least get the basic ideas done, and then we could do a, you know, a lot of um, file sharing um, and just add to whatever we created in the studio together. So we try to keep that organic element still going and to try to get together as much as we can. It's not as possible um, with our full-time jobs as it used to be, but um, we, you know, we do the best we can. 
from what I've put together from reading your bio and listening to your music and kind of doing a little bit of research that I did, it seems that... Uh, Talk. I'll let Tony talk a little bit about how you guys hooked up. Tony, you were putting together basically some instrumental tracks and then contact Brian, and he sort of incorporated some vocals into it. I know it sounds to me, it's probably a lot more complex than that, but is that the basics, basis of it? Uh, that's the gist of it. it really, I, I had a real strong urge once um, MySpace and Facebook came around and, and I re- we reconnected. We were able to refine everybody from Nation of Fear which was a project Brian and I had worked on uh, previous. Right. We're like, well, let's let's do one more project. Let's do a reunion type thing. And, um, you know, I had, I had already been building up some uh, instrumentals, like you said, and I, I was ready to present them. I presented them to the guys, and we, we gave it a go. But the distance, and at that time, we didn't have the whole file sharing thing figured out. Right. And... It really didn't work out, but then Brian had, uh, you know, Brian had wrote back to me. He's like, "Well, you know, I wrote some lyrics to these tracks anyway. Let's let's run with it." And uh, and it all went that, from there. Yeah, that's kind of how that started. We, you know, came up with a groovy name, and uh, we we thought so. And, <laughs> And then roll with it. Talk a little bit about this project you two had worked together with before. Nation of Fear, you said it was? That's right. A little bit of background on that band and, and that, that outfit and when that happened and where that. Was that down here in South Florida? That was a South uh, Florida project that ended up uh, getting an in, an indie deal. And we you know we had a national release. Nice. And uh, yeah, Brian, you want to elaborate? Uh, yeah, I had just um, finished. Uh, I had left Collapsing Lungs, which is the band that um, I had started down there and really was not interested in doing music for a while. Um, and kind of Tony, I think found me and, you know, said, Hey, let's do something. And I, I pretty much said, you know, whatever we do, it's just going to be what it is. If I decide not to do it tomorrow, then you just have to deal with it. Um, and we started working together and we got a good group together. Um, and we did nation of fear for, geez, I don't know how many years. Um, I actually had two, two albums, one national, um, released, um, did, you know, the full U.S. tours and everything. Um, and then just kind of just being on, on tour, all the drama that happens on tour um, kind yeah. of took its toll. And we, um, you know, decided to part ways. Basically, Tony and I left the band at the same time uh, and the rest of the guys moved out to Los Angeles and continued Nation of Fear for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had stopped doing music for about, probably about 10 years um, and then to kind of started off like this project doing Nation of Fear again, realizing that the music we were doing wasn't really Nation of Fear type of music, and we, it just was something else, and that's kind of the beginnings of Depravity Scale. Very very cool. It's Depravity Scale featured today on the show. Now, when we come back, we're going to play a tune here. We're going to listen to a song called Stage Lights. I want you guys to tell me a little bit about it before I play it. And then when we after we play this, I want to get into a little bit more of your background. Brian, you were with, as you mentioned, Collapsing Lungs and also spent some time working with uh, Brian Warner with the Marilyn Manson uh, deal. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But after we listen to this, I also want to get into how you guys translate all this complex studio work that's in here and bring it to the stage and do it live. Um, but uh, Tony, go ahead and tell me just a little bit about uh, Stage Lights before we play this. Um, what's the inspiration and or, or whatever you want to tell me about this song? Oh, geez. Um, I'm not sure where this uh, first germinated from. You know, we, you know, as individuals all came to the table with different demos. And uh-huh. 
I really don't think I don't remember if this one started with me or or <laughs> Jerry because it, it it got to a point we we had such a catalog of of demo ideas right we were just like all right let's go with that one what and, you think if I play it it might bring back some of the memory of that it's <laughs> <laughs> um, really really about the relationship about um, the audience and being on stage yeah. um, with that audience and it's kind of the um, the lust that you have when you're on stage and you know it goes out to the audience as well as the audience to the bands themselves so kind of a back and forth type of, of situation so that's I guess the premise of the song <laughs> very cool and here it is it's stage lights depravity scale bringing a little industrial experimental music to the table on The Bill Murphy Show. Your face on the outside, the 
depravity scale and stage lights with uh, Tony D and Brian Tunic, who is on the phone with us from the Tampa area. Um, is that bring back a uh, kind of put together how that <laughs> you remembering how you put that together now, Tony, or what? Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the, 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 the structure and the actual construction of these songs. Um, as I listen to that, the, the, the basic track in there, I, I got to wonder, where do you get your, your ideas and start with something like that? I mean, you're talking about, uh, you, you know, it's like, d- does that stem from an idea in your head that you're hearing? Or are you actually just playing with the instrument and messing around with sort of presets until you hear something you like? Well, for, for me, it all starts with a beat. Um, being a DJ is my background. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw in a couple records uh, I'll, I'll start layering, layering records on top of the records, uh, beats on top of beats and, uh, build from there. And so are there samples of actual records on there that you've used or are you creating those sounds yourself? No, they're, they're actual, they're uh, loop beat records. Right, 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 right. And, um, you know, what typically ends up happening in our process is that, um, you know, the idea will, will come up and then it'll move on to the next phase where somebody will put a melody with a, a keyboard line. Okay. Uh, then, then it starts becoming something and Brian will start getting inspired on a lyrical side. Mm-hmm. But, um, typically after that, the beat will be rebuilt. Okay. Um, you know, with, uh, SG, he's really good at that. Or, uh, Derek up in Orlando uh-huh. and they'll, they'll take those layers and they'll, they'll rebuild them because, you know, you get real gritty sounds on records, you sure. get pops and hisses and stuff. So, well, on that note, and I wanted to ask in a little more detail, as I was listening, one thing I noticed was the nice, clean, very organic piano sound that was yeah. in there on those melody lines. Is that an actual real piano recording or did you guys, it was, is that from software? That's what I'm just curious about that little particular detail. It's a keyboard, um, actual piano, um, not a, a grand or anything like that, but it is a, an actual keyboard. Um, I don't even know who who played that track. Um, that that might have been a. That was Derek. That was a Derek. Yeah, track. I think Derek, Derek, Derek is kind of a silent. Um, he was a, the original founding, um, you know, member with Tony and I, and he just kind of got overwhelmed. He has five daughters, so right. um, he's stuck aside a little bit. He's still part of the family. Um, Basically, when we're, when we're writing a song, somebody just brings, we all kind of continuously write stuff, and then we bring it to the table, and we have still, you know, there's there's lists of, of ideas that are sitting there, and it's just a matter of when we're getting it, you know, to them. Uh, sometimes I'll have an idea for a song that I want to write, you know, lyrically, and I'll, you know, call up Tony, and i say, Tony, find some samples of, you know, about this subject matter, and, and we base it off that. So we don't really have a set structure of how we work. Um, it's just everybody's able to put whatever, you know, whatever creative um, input they can to it. Right. So, you know, we don't have set instruments that we each play. We all just play everything. And, um, you know, when it comes to actual recording, you know, whoever can play it the best for recording purposes, that's, that's the track that gets recorded. <laughs> right, cool. And it sort of just comes together as it goes. Now, this is something that I would direct at, at, at you know, from the whole, at the whole track from top to bottom. And it, it, in this type of music, I would think that there would be an importance to stay fresh and do stuff that is 
you know, kind of grabbing the listener and go, well, I haven't really heard that before. So how do you avoid recycling all the stuff that you've heard that's influencing it a little bit? It must be that must be like one of the toughest obstacles to get, you know, so creative that you're actually creating a new sound or a new pattern that uh, somebody hasn't heard. Is have, have you noticed that? Is there any sort of pressure there, Brian? Um, well, I've always tried um, with every project to incorporate different um, musical styles, which I think that itself gives it um, an originality. Right. Um, you know, I think all music is borrowed from somewhere or another. It's just combining it in a way that has never been done before, and that's really what we strive for. Right. Um, right. I'm early influenced um, in a, a lot of the guys in the band um, by early new wave um, stuff like that. So there's a lot of those sounds out. You know, just because it's part of our history, we want we wanted to bring back. Um, um, there's hip hop influences. There's everything just mixed together, and I think, you know, if you if you broke it apart, yes, maybe there's something in each of those genres that already exists. But when you put it all together, it's something brand new. Very very cool, and I think that that stands true for a lot of types of music as well. Um, Depravity Scale can be found online at ReverbNation.com slash Depravity Scale. Very cool um, way they've got that set up where you guys are. Oh, oh and also at BandCamp.com is where people can find your tracks. And, That's right. In very, very healthy bit rates that uh, actually sound <laughs> sound good. I mean, it's, it, it's a hard thing to find these days where you can get it um, to sound really, really good. Um, and this type of music needs to be treated like that so it sounds great coming over the headphones or over a big system so the bass is slamming yeah. like it should be. So. Hey guys, and it's all free. Yeah, it's it, all, it free. all free. That's yeah. amazing for now, right? I mean, you got when this stuff goes on the uh, on the album. It, that that you know, of course, we could get off on that tangent for a long yeah. time because I do that with all of my artists about how things have changed, and you really want to get your music in the hands of people, but you don't want to completely give it away. So you know, there's a fine line that you have to walk there. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, we, we were we never had an intention to actually put on an album. We just want really wanted to get the music out there. But the the fans are you know they're the ones who keep requesting the actual album, and you know they want to support and they want that actual you know CD in hand and read the booklet and all that. So um, originally that's all we were going to do is just put it online free and get it out there. And um, you know we're we're hitting countries that you know with any of our other projects we weren't able to hit before, yeah. um, which is really great. Nice. So, well, thank God for fans like that, that, that yeah. you know, that feel yeah. loyal and feel like you deserve what's coming to you for it. And especially when this type of music can creep along and this show, for that matter, goes into other nations and states and countries all over the world. I can't believe some of the places I get hits from. So, you know, those people don't know you like a friend in high school or something. So they're happy to pay for the music. So it's good that, you, right. you right. know, on an international level, you can uh, expect to maybe make a little bit of money here and there. So. Right. Um, and Brian, a little bit more, uh, before we play another track from Depravity Scale, talk a little bit about your days with, uh, you already touched a little bit on, on the, uh, collapsing lungs, uh, deal, but of course you have an involvement with Marilyn Manson that I must make you talk about a little bit. How, how did that happen? Well, I was actually working on, um, collapsing lungs, still, you know, working on getting uh, members and Brian and I were just good friends. Um, he used to be a writer for some of the local magazines down in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. Right, right. Um, he used to come watch me, you know, do rehearsals. I used to come, you know, go with him when he would interview these bands. Uh, I never really actually knew he had an interest in actually, be, you know, being a performer um, until one day he asked me how to use a microphone and, um, you know, they kind of worked on a little demo, um, him and uh, Scott, Daisy, um, which was the beginnings of the Marilyn Manson, the Spooky Kids. Um, right, right. I was working. I was working with um, Curry um, in collapsing lungs, and you know, they just asked us if we could help them get started. Um, we never really had an intention to do that as a full time gig, and it was original 
I would say Marilyn Manson was more started off as a joke. It was kind of a, a humorous thing to see what we can get away with. And um, then I went back to um, doing collapsing lungs, and you know, the rest is history. We we got signed to Atlantic, and they're where they're at now. So um, you know. And it, it's funny that you mentioned that. I didn't really know that part of the story. So for the early days, are you saying that Brian sort of kept a little bit of this to himself? Was Do you, what, do you think the whole act and the persona and the image was in his head way before the public knew about it, or did it just come later? Uh, well, I think, well, everything. Well, when we started Marilyn Manson, it was just like we just sat there and thought of, like, okay, we could do this. Let's go get, you know, let's go get these mannequin heads and stick them on stage. And let's <laughs> it was just kind of like whatever crazy stage show we could put up. And, and we you'd go to thrift stores and get the craziest clothing that we could find. And um, But he uh, he was really smart. And whenever he interviewed all these bands that he was a fan of, he took little bits and pieces. And if you really sat there and broke apart Marilyn Manson, you would find bits and pieces from all these other bands that, and, and a lot of them are the ones he interviewed wow. um, that he brought into Marilyn Manson. So, I mean, he's a brilliant guy. I have to give him credit for that. Um, who, who knew? I mean, we would go talk to record companies when we were signing with Atlantic. We'd bring up Marilyn Manson and they would laugh at us, you know, and I'm sure a lot of them are kicking themselves now. So. Right. Oh, wow. That's a fascinating, some fascinating insight yeah. into that whole, um, that whole scene. And of course it turned out to be an historic, uh, uh thing for South Florida, um, all right, Depravity Skill, we got a few minutes left. we got time to listen to one more track. Uh, Tony, tell me a little bit about In the End and how this one got created. I heard, I know when we were picking songs, you told me this was uh, one of your favorites. Why is it one of your favorites? Uh, one of my favorites because it was one of the first ones finished, and it just it, it just made me realize that we were onto something. Oh, cool. And uh, that, yeah, you know, this... We're, we got something pretty cool going on and, and you know if we keep this thing going we'll have a, a catalog of real cool stuff is this the first one you guys finished so how long ago would this have been Brian just about a year I would say yeah okay yeah so you guys are moving along at a pretty good pace then it's not like this stuff has been sitting on the shelf too long oh no. so no. very nice okay so let's take a listen to uh, in the end it's depravity scale on the Bill Murphy show Yeah. 
Yes, depravity scale. And in the end, we've got Tony D and Brian Tatunic uh, joining us by phone. Uh, actually, Tony's in the studio live with us. That's really, really great sounding stuff. Now, um, before we go on to something else that I wanted to bring up, which is translating that stuff to the stage and being able to do it live, which I want to get into. Um, do I detect a little bit of uh, Peter Gabriel influence there, Brian, <laughs> on that one? You know, it wasn't intentional, but I hear that all the time with that song, and I would never compare. You know, I would have never thought about Peter Gabriel when I was writing that. But nor I would nor would you deny it, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing. Makes, makes you want to do a Peter Gabriel cover. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, no, no. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And I mean, is you know, if, and that is, of course, if Peter Gabriel kind of. Uh, picked everything up a notch instrumentally because that's what's going on there. So it was almost, I mean, it borders on anger, but it's not really, it's a, it's just very strong and very emotional. And um, I'm sure that's what you were going for. Exactly. A lot, of, um, a lot of dynamics in that song. Yeah. And um, very, very strong bass in that. I love it. And, uh, and, and it was, uh, I noticed I was watching the clock. It was like a, a more than a minute and a half before it shifted into that other section. And it really, really opened up at that point. It almost seemed like you had given it all you had up until that point. And then when, just when you thought it couldn't get wider and bigger and more spatial, it did. So um, kudos to the mixing on that. And as an engineer, I need to ask about that bass. Um, is it a challenge at all? Because I wonder, you know, when I hear stuff like that, if it's a challenge to have bass be that strong and hit you so hard, but also not ruin everything else in the mix. Is that something you have to pay attention to? Or can I even talk to either one of you guys about that? Um, go ahead, Brian. Just mixing in general. I mean, we go back and forth and all of us have our opinions. We'll, mm. we'll take tracks and one of us be like, oh, the bass needs to be louder. No, the bass needs to be turned down. The drums need to be louder. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, and we're just constantly listening to, you know, different cars and house speakers and computer speakers and trying to figure out, you know, overall what would be the best mix right. um, for it. So it is a challenge. It's trying to put all the different sounds in the right place. And uh, especially when you're working with so many different types of sounds, it, it's definitely a struggle to get them in, in the right mix. And I noticed when you put your vocals in there, on a, a, well, in that song in particular, they're at a level and at a threshold that is like, it's almost difficult to hear what you're singing, but I know that in some respect you were going for that because you really want the listener to reach in there and kind of hear what you're saying, correct? Uh, yes, I mean, I, obviously when I listen to some of my stuff, I could hear myself, you know, sure. sometimes a little too loud, so, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, it's just kind of, it's it's part of the music, it's not like, you know, the vocals need to be, they need to be audible so you can hear what's going on, but it, it's, the music's just as important as the vocals. Right, I, I I think you got it in a perfect place, and I think you guys are really, really onto something here. Now, being able to take all this stuff, which is very, very complex and very electronic and um, very programmed. I mean, and I know there's not, you know, that's not saying that in a bad way. How do you go ahead and translate that onto stage? Uh, how organic does it get? How much help are you getting with uh, tracks or or kind of you know clicks maybe to keep you on on in time? How complex is turning this stuff into a, a live show? Well, when we were right, we kind of have in our minds, you know, how we're going to perform the song and, and what instruments um, would be needed to perform the song live. There would be, you know, we, we always would have some sequences going on. It's just part of the nature of the industrial music um, uh, instruments. Um, Tony's working on instruments similar to Blue Man Group's um, instruments, um, and he's he's been building that for a while. That's going to be, a, you know, when we more on stage a strong part of incorporating that instrument into our stuff. Um, but both 
instruments and and visually um you know we don't like to just go on stage and just play our instruments we want to put on a show so everything that we're doing now is kind of gearing us to us um we're obviously going to have um extra musicians come aboard when we do um perform live um okay and yeah, uh, because be. we do especially with the strings uh, you know i would love to have a little uh, you know violins and cellists and stuff um coming with us kind of again to to blend that industrial harsh metallic edge with the soft strings um i think it's a very cool visually and auto you know audibly um in there so um we'll, we'll have to see how it goes um you know and, and exactly who's going to play what because again we all kind of play different instruments um and when we're goes to the point of actually playing out um you know it's we're gonna have to fight over who's playing what oh sure maybe we'll, I, maybe we'll just do a round robin we'll just <laughs> each, each song we'll play something hey different. that's that's quite entertaining but uh, also <laughs> when listening to the music you can't help but think that it lends itself to a lot of visual stimulation as well so what other type of me- multimedia uh stuff do you see going on in the stage will there be you know video going on behind you and when you can do it or uh, any other visual stimulation that goes on yeah we're actually working with people are now trying to put out like live video mixing um that's something that we're very interested in doing and, and you know if we could find the right person we would like to just include them in our project themselves as a visual um person because i think our songs are very visual when you you know break sure. down the lyrics um so a lot of videos i mean with nation of fear we had a lot of um fires and stuff on stage which um unfortunately we probably can't do as much of that stuff anymore yeah. so um Ever since we've Great White. Been, <laughs> yeah, we've always been very um, dynamic on stage, no matter what project we've been involved in. So, um, you know, when it comes down to it, who knows what kind of weird devices we create for on stage. It's it's not your typical, you know, bass, drums, guitar setup, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's great, man. I really appreciate both of you guys coming out and doing this with us. It's Tony D and uh, Brian Tatunic from uh, Depravity Scale. We're going to have on the page there where you clicked to listen here or if you're listening on iTunes you can go to BillMurphyShow.com and on the page there you can find links to their ReverbNation.com site that's actually ReverbNation.com slash Depravity Scale also you can go to BandCamp.com and search Depravity Scale and get some free really good sounding downloads and we look forward to the release near the end of the year and I personally look forward to catching you guys I'm imagining that sometime in 2012 I'll be able to see you guys perform at an elaborate uh, 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 festival down here sometime yeah, you, right you could count on it right that's the plan yeah, all right exactly. brian brian and uh, and tony i really appreciate guys coming out hang on for just a second we'll say goodbye here in a second but let me close off the show thanks so much man thanks for bringing this genre of music to the to the program it's really really cool to have this this mix of styles so tune in uh, in the coming days for more new shows. We will be ramping this up to every single day once the new imaging and website gets in place. I'm kind of saving some stuff for when that happens. So stay close to BillMurphyShow.com to find out more. And of course, subscribe on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. Do all the things that help us grow that you've been doing so well. Catch you next time. to the Bill Murphy Show podcast for free at iTunes. You can post comments about today's show, listen to archived episodes, and like the show on Facebook by visiting BillMurphyShow.com. A presentation of Bill Murphy Productions.